Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 13th. Over the last five weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. The first week we said that we have been adopted by God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 9 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely lavished on us and the one he loves. The second week, we said that because of this adoption, we were once outsiders, but are now insiders with God's chosen people. Because of Jesus, we become part of the chosen and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 and verse 19 reads, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. The third week, we said that at some point in life and in our journey with Jesus, the pavement, so to speak, is going to end, meaning the road is, is going to get rough. Trouble is going to come. So we need to be mature. We need to be humble. And this seems to always begin on our knees, literally, figuratively. We submit to the holy other. And if I, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The fourth week, we said that we've all been different, been given different gifts, and those gifts are for each other. They are for the body, for our community. Our relationship with Jesus is very personal, but it's never private. We are called to resemble a team, a unified team. And Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then the fifth week, we said that in chapter five and the first part of chapter six gives us great instruction on how to live a life in response to the salvation that we find in the Lord. But all of it, all of this holy life stems from me not being self-righteous and not focusing so much on these things that they become the thing rather than a response to the thing, but rather I be teachable. Ephesians five verses one through two, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this week, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, as we talk about the full armor of God and spiritual warfare. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 reading says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, and pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. The end of the letter to the Ephesians connects to its beginning. You know, in the first chapter we read of the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, a power display when God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's chapter 1, 19 and 20. And despite the triumph of Christ in, in the present age, however, it's necessary that we stay alert, even vigilant, Paul says. The battle continues with principalities and powers, Ephesians 3, verse 10. And so for this reason, Paul writes of our need to put on the whole armor of God. The battle for a Christian believer is against the forces of evil. Now, I have to confess that I am both drawn to and yet somehow at the same time kind of repelled or put off by, by Paul's militaristic metaphor of the Christian life. You see, we live in a very violent world, don't we? Children are abused, the innocent are bombed and ran over in the street. Teenagers commit suicide as an act of martyrdom and Random shootings of police officers and citizens alike fill whatever platforms of media you so choose to receive your quote-unquote news. A big part of us wants to ask for a different way of envisioning the Christian life. A big part of me wants to ask that. One that's more peaceful, more serene, compassionate. And yet I also understand, or I'm trying to understand and know that much is at stake and that evil is present in our world and indeed in my own life. So Paul writes about spiritual resistance. It's an act of faith that can take both passive and active forms. The armor of God consists of the resources that are given to us in, in this battle against this, this evil often an evil that we certainly can't see. They are to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So these resources are identified as as truth, peace, and faith. So how can these things, how can these gifts help us 
as believers, as followers of Christ? Well, first of all, we are a truthful people, or we are to be a truthful people. Our witness has integrity because it points to the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, John 14, 6. And Jesus confessed to his disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, John 8, 32. Which begs a great question, how many times are we pointing to something that is truth-ish or truthiness, but it's not the truth, the gospel, Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to save. And so many times in my life, I'm guilty of looking at other things that I think are going to bring about, quote-unquote, salvation. Often we're tempted to tell only a portion of the truth or to distort the truth for some purpose that seems justifiable to us in the moment. However, truth is always the most powerful weapon. It's the most powerful. In times, lies and falsehoods come to light and the truth is disclosed. Those who speak the truth through words and actions possess great power in confronting evil. Secondly, we are a peaceful people. The prophet Isaiah announced the coming of the Prince of Peace in chapter 9, verse 6. And Zechariah spoke in the Gospel of Luke of a child who would guide our feet into the way of peace in chapter 1 of Luke. And the Beatitudes that Jesus states is simply, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, Matthew chapter 5. It seems paradoxical then to speak of peace as a weapon and still God always uses peace and love to overcome violence and hatred I will say it again God always uses peace and love to overcome violence and hatred the cycle of retribution and vengeance responding to evil with evil is not the will of God perhaps you too like I have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth produces people who are blind and who cannot eat. Thirdly, we are faithful people. We are justified by, pay, by faith, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. By grace you have been saved through your faith. We read earlier in Ephesians, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Faith is belief and trust, intellectual knowledge, and an emotional risk. Faith is hearing the word of God and obediently following its meaning. Only faith allows us to trust in something that's unseen, in the unseen gifts and providence of a holy God, which works within human events and certainly beyond them. Only faith allows us to, to trust in the unmerited, the unearned, the un, we are unworthy grace of God, which works alongside somehow human efforts and often in spite of them. See, we're in a battle and we do not engage in spiritual warfare unequipped. We have been trained in the knowledge of truth and the practice of peace and in the wisdom of faith. The whole armor of God includes each of these resources. Without any one of them, we place ourselves potentially in danger. But with the whole armor of truth, peace, and faith, we can stand firm, as Paul writes. Every Christian believer comes to a moment in life when it's necessary to stand firm. We face a decision that seems like a compromise to us. We, we encounter racism, sexism, or, or other forms of attacks on others. We we are exposed to values in the culture that are at odds with our Christian convictions. 
we know and see the ever-present need to set boundaries for our for our children so they are safe and there are pressures in every facet of life that threaten to to knock us off to 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 distract us to get us off course and if we're going to stand firm we will need a strength that comes way outside and far beyond ourselves and in the letter to the Ephesians, the Christians, the believers are urged to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. I think the challenge for, the, for, for Christians, for believers, is to stand firm, to engage in acts of spiritual resistance. The comfort to those who believe is that God provides a way to do this. God equips us with the armor. We become aware of the armor that we need, of course, as, as we read the scripture the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We can only know ourselves, our strengths and our weaknesses, our, our gifts, our limitations. We can only know that by reading the Scripture. We can only know our, our world, its, its beauty, its God-created beauty, its terror, its goodness, its evil. We only know that by reading the Scripture. We would not go into warfare without knowing as much as possible about our own resources, and about the enemy. In the same way, we proceed in the spiritual life only as we avail ourselves on the resources that God has given us. And these are revealed to us. These resources are give, revealed to us in his love letter to us, the scriptures. Let us stand firm in the faith. Let us live truthfully, peacefully, faithfully. Let us hear the word of God. And obey it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand then stand firm then with the with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am, ambas and I am an ambassador in chains. And pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. For our benediction this week, I want to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless. And go in peace.